In her article, The Lost Art of Saying Thank You, Glinda Lomax shares the story. I remember one Christmas, there were two people I wanted to buy really special gifts for. They lived far away from me, and we didn't have a lot of contact, but I cared very deeply for them and decided one Christmas I wanted to give them something really special to show my depth of love and appreciation. So off I went on my quest for the perfect gifts. I decided gift bags would be the best, since that way I could choose multiple gifts and be sure to please them. I shopped all the local stores where I lived, as well as online to make my budget stretch as far as possible. Filled with excitement, I filled the gift bags with lovely luxuries I knew they were sure to enjoy and sent them on their way. Christmas came and went. Every time the phone rang, I was sure it would be one of them calling to say how much they love their gift. That call never came. There was never a note of thanks, a letter, or even an email. To this day, I don't know if they enjoy their gifts or even if they have received them. I'm sure you've experienced what Glinda went through. It isn't a good feeling. In fact, I'm sure the more you think about that experience, the more it makes you mad or angry. Personally, I distinctively remember a few years ago an incident when one of my children begged and pleaded with me to buy them something from the toy store while we were at the mall. They so wanted it, and although I knew I probably shouldn't give in and buy it for them, that child was so earnest and pleaded for their request. And so I bought that toy for them from Toys R Us, and I expected a loving response with a warm, tight hug, perhaps a kiss on the cheek and profuse thank yous. But after I bought it for them, paid the cashier, handed the gift to my child, my child took the toy and simply walked away without a word of gratitude or appreciation. Ever been in that situation? How does it make you feel? I was stunned. I felt used and manipulated. I felt unappreciated. I was very close to grabbing that toy back for my seven-year-old child. What would you have done? We've all been in that situation where we don't feel acknowledged, appreciated, and remembered, and it isn't a good feeling. But while we hate that feeling and would quickly condemn the adult or child who was unthankful, before we do so, can I remind all of us that we do the same thing when it comes to our relationship with the Lord? Many of us forget to thank God for all of His blessings in our life, or we may give Him a perfunctory thank you out of obligation and then move on with our lives when we get what we want from Him. It is in this context that we want to continue our sermon series for how we are to respond based on how God responds to our prayer requests. We have learned what we are to do when God answers no and answers wait. And now we want to learn some biblical principles for what we are to do when God answers yes. Let's take a look at a passage in Scripture that deals with exactly this issue. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, as we take a look at verses 11 to 19. Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 to 19. And as you're turning to this passage, remember that being thankful is a lifestyle. Being thankful is a way of life, a lifestyle that naturally remembers to thank God daily and appreciate God for His yeses to our requests and for His blessings in our life. But more than just a passive feeling, thankfulness is something that should be expressed. William Ward says it best when he says, 
Feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. Look with me now as I read from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. Now what happened as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. The Bible tells us that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He was on the border between Samaria and Galilee. Entering a town, there were lepers who had to stand a far distance away from Jesus because they either had the contagious form of leprosy or they were, quote-unquote, unclean and had to remain away from other people, lest those who come in contact with them were made ceremonially unclean as well. If you're not sure what leprosy is, leprosy is an infectious disease caused by bacteria that causes severe, disfiguring skin sores and nerve damage in the arms, the legs, and skin area around your body. Leprosy has been around since ancient times, but in the time of Jesus, leprosy had no known cure. Once you contracted leprosy, you were often sent to live in isolation by yourself, or you were often sent to a leper colony to live with other lepers. You were separated from family and ostracized by friends. Look at verse 13 and 14. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. As Jesus passed by, these lepers pleaded with him to have mercy on them and heal them. Them calling Jesus Master, in the Greek, epistata, indicates a measure of faith in Him, meaning they had faith that Jesus could heal them. Most likely, these lepers had heard of Jesus, and they knew that Jesus had done miracles. They perhaps realized that their only hope for healing was if Jesus was merciful, not because they were somehow worthy to be healed. So that's why they pleaded for mercy. My friends, often when we ask of God in prayer and plead with Him our request, how many of us believe that we deserve what we are asking for as if God has to grant our request and say yes? Or do we come before Him humbly and acknowledge that we are unworthy and not deserving and in humility ask of the Lord to answer our request depending solely on His mercy and grace, not demanding it? Our attitude when we ask of the Lord should be one of humility seeking His grace and mercy. None of us are worthy. Look at James chapter 4, verse 6. James chapter 4, verse 6 says this, But He gives more grace. Therefore, He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. A few verses down in James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. The Bible tells us God responds to humble hearts. And God heard the leper's cry of help and in His mercy and grace answered yes to their requests, to their pleas. Jesus instructed the men to show themselves to the priests and as a sign of their faith in the ability of Jesus to heal them, obeyed what Jesus told them to do. On their way to show themselves to the priests, they were cleansed from the disease and were made ceremonially clean. For those of you who know well the Gospels, you will notice that Jesus often asked those He healed to 
to go show themselves to a priest. This was because the priestly examination would confirm that they had indeed been fully healed and result in the lepers resuming normal lives in Israel as they would now be proclaimed as ceremonially clean. Now remember, these lepers could have refused to go and could have repeated their requests, standing there for Jesus to heal them on the spot. Through this instruction, Jesus was testing their faith and obedience, and they did as Jesus asked, and they were healed. But let's see what happens next, which is why this incident is even recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 17, I read now from verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God. One out of the ten, only one of the lepers returned and loudly gave God the glory for his healing. By doing so, this one leper was acknowledging that Jesus, God himself, was the agent to allow him to be healed. This Samaritan leper didn't feel entitled that he deserved to be healed or deserved to have his request heard. But when God answered yes to him, he remembered to glorify God. You see, when God answers yes, number one, remember to glorify Him. Remember to glorify God. Remember to glorify God. It seems like such a simple thing to do, But so many people unfortunately forget to worship God for what He has done and to give Him all the glory. When God answers our prayer request, do we really glorify Him? Do we ensure that God gets the glory by acknowledging that what we have, who we are, what we've accomplished, or what we've received all come because of His enablement through His grace and mercy? Or do we simply pay lip service to glorifying God and still put the focus and attention on ourselves. The Apostle Paul, in writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5, characterizes some attitudes that will pervade our culture as we get closer to the coming of our Lord, nearer to the so-called end times. I read from 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 and 2. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. And notice what begins this list. It is the attitude of people loving themselves, what we call narcissism. This focus on self and love of self causes self-entitlement and self-centeredness, as evidenced by only one out of the ten lepers coming back to show appreciation to God and to glorify Him. This focus on self is because of the rejection and the lack of recognition of the Almighty God. Look what Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. Romans chapter 1, verses 20 to 21. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. That is why to counter narcissism and self-admiration, we are to remember, the Bible says, to glorify God in everything, especially when God answers yes to our prayer requests. 
when we glorify God, it means that He is the only one who gets the attention, not us. It is a good litmus test for us if we are glorifying Him, if the attention is on you or on God. Who is getting the attention? Is it you or is it God? Of course, it should be God. I love it when sports players, when interviewed after they have had a great game or even at times a lousy loss, give glory to God. They don't have to say anything about God when they are being interviewed, but you know their heart when they remember to glorify God. One of the first professional athletes to attract criticism for invoking God after victory was someone called Michael Chang, an American professional tennis player. Chang won the French Open in 1989 as a 17-year-old underdog. He was booed by the Parisian crowd when he thanked Jesus for his victory at the tournament's trophy presentation. Chang, who now helps run a Christian sports league in California, says he thanked Jesus not to gloat, but to show gratitude. When I go out there and share my faith, Chang says, I'm not saying God is on my side and He's not on your side. The Lord loves everybody, and the Lord is on everyone's side. Mike Sweeney, who plays Major League Baseball for the Seattle Mariners, says, When I'm facing the pitcher Andy Pettit on the Yankees, and I'm praying for a home run while he's praying for a strikeout, I don't think the result is going to show who has the greater faith. Sweeney says athletes can sometimes reveal more about their faith when they fail. It's easy being a Christian when you're hitting well. But you let me know who you really are when you're missing at every ball. Sweeney doesn't pray for victory or point to the heavens when he gets a big hit. He says God isn't as interested in what an athlete says as much as what he does. I think that's important to note. God isn't as interested in what an athlete says as much as what he does. And then he quotes Francis of Assisi, who says, Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Sweeney says, that's something I've tried to live out my entire athletic life. My friends, remember to give God glory, not only in words, but through the way you live your life, especially when God answers yes. Make sure He is the center of the attention. Make sure God gets all the credit He deserves because He actually does deserve all the credit. Glorify God so that He is preeminent in all aspects of our lives. In the leper story, it is God who does all the work. Why shouldn't He take all the credit? Suzanne Goslin tells this story. There's a story my father tells from his childhood about a girl in his fifth grade class who he desperately wanted to impress. The girl had a numbered list of the boys in her class, ranking them based on who she liked the best. My dad wasn't at the top of the list, but he wanted to be. He knew it would require something really special to achieve his goal. So one day he took his pencil box, a prized possession at that time, that had been given as a gift from his mom, and presented it to the girl. To his delight, she put him at the number one spot for a week. The girl's thankfulness was short-lived. Any gratitude she felt washed away with the next boy's attempt to gain her affection. So it is often when God answers yes to our prayer request, how we so quickly forget when someone else or the world offers something more enticing or says yes to our request more recently than when God did. 
It is as if it's a competition, and we tell God, So, Lord, what have you done for me lately? What requests have you answered lately? What do you have to offer me in return? This is a sort of game we play in our mind as to why we don't glorify Him as much as we need to. He hasn't done anything for us lately. But the very act of glorifying God in all things reminds us that it is not a competition to see who can give us more or has given us more recently. It is acknowledging a world that can offer nothing, human efforts that can produce nothing, versus a God who by His grace and mercy enables us to achieve what we are able to achieve and answers our requests, however impossible. The Bible is very clear. In everything, we are to glorify Him in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 reminds us, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In response to God's yes and blessings in our life, our immediate response is to glorify Him. I hope it is true in your life. Look with me now at Luke chapter 17, verse 16. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Notice what this one returning leper, who the Bible notes as being a Samaritan, does. As he praised and glorified God, he then threw himself at Jesus' feet, a posture of worship and heartfelt sincerity, and thanked the Lord. That verb has the emphasis of him giving constant thanks, not just a one-word response of gratitude. You see, when God answers yes, number two, remember to thank the Lord. Remember to thank the Lord. I realize it is something we all do occasionally, but what we are talking about here is a deep, heartfelt thanks and gratitude to God not a mechanical, one-second, obligatory, okay, thanks God for everything, but not really meaning it. That being said, sometimes we don't even remember to thank God at all, so even the mechanical, automatic thanks God is at least better than nothing. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. Because sometimes the mere act of saying thanks every time you are blessed by God or when He answers yes to your prayer request will change your heart into a heart of thankfulness. I like what Pastor Robert Jeffers once expressed in his advice to those who are not feeling thankful. He says, I have found that it is a lot easier to act yourself into a feeling than it is to feel yourself into an action. Did you get that? It's a lot easier to act yourself into a feeling than it is to feel yourself into an action. You see, the very act of giving thanks or expressing thankfulness will help us to begin to feel thankful. Once we feel thankful, we will begin to take on an attitude of thankfulness, an attitude of gratitude and gratefulness. And once you've cultivated this attitude of thankfulness, it will lessen some of the other bad attitudes that often pervade our thinking. What do I mean by this? 
If I were to ask you what is the opposite of thankful, I'm sure most of your response would probably be unthankful. But because being thankful is really an active adjective, and unthankful is rather passive, really the opposite of thankful is grumbling, complaining, whining. When you don't have a thankful heart, one will naturally grumble, complain, and whine about God's blessings. But by remembering to thank God daily for His blessings, and when He says yes to our prayer requests, it will cultivate in us a thankful heart which will lead us to less grumbling and complaining. When we remember to thank God for answering our prayer request, we are reminding ourselves that we are not entitled to God saying yes all the time. Remember, it is in God's prerogative to say no as well. We remember to thank God because we are in deep appreciation that He would even grant our requests. God doesn't answer our prayers because of the things He will get. He answers our prayers based on His love, mercy, grace, sovereignty, and wisdom. But He still appreciates the actions of things as illustrated in this story in Luke as the one leper was commended for what he did when he came back to thank the Lord. Because this one leper's heart is indicative of a heart that has not grown accustomed to God's blessings. And it is in full appreciation because of a lack of entitlement. Warren Worsby warns us about getting accustomed to God's blessings. He writes, I have felt for a long time that one of the particular temptations of the maturing Christian is the danger of getting accustomed to his blessings. Like the world traveler who's been everywhere and seen everything, the maturing Christian is in danger of taking his blessings for granted and getting so accustomed to them that they fail to excite him as they once did. The poet Ralph Waldo Emerson once asked what we would do if the stars only came out once every 1,000 years. No one would sleep that night, of course. The world would become religious overnight. We would be ecstatic, delirious, made rapturous by the glory of God at all of the beautiful stars. Instead, the stars come out every night, and so we watch television. Whereas we continues, the Israelites in the wilderness got accustomed to their blessings, and God has to chastise them as a people. And you can read Numbers chapter 11. God had fed the nation with heavenly manna each morning, and yet the people were getting tired of it. By now, our whole being is dried up, they said. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Nothing but manna, they said. They were experiencing a miracle of God's provision every morning, yet they were no longer excited about it. Nothing but manna. Miracle. Oh, it's just another miracle. One of the evidences that we have grown accustomed to our blessing is this spirit of criticism and complaining. Instead of thanking God for what we have, we complain about it and tell Him we wish we had something else. You can be sure that if God did give us what we asked for, we would eventually complain about that also. The person who has gotten accustomed to his blessing can never be satisfied. Imagine getting to the point where you complain about miracles, but it does happen. 
another evidence of this problem is the idea that others have a better situation than we do. The Israelites remembered their diet in Egypt and longed to return to the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. They were saying, the people in Egypt are much better off than we were. They had forgotten they were in slavery. Obviously, they had forgotten the hardship of the slavery they had to endure in Egypt and the terrible bondage from which God had delivered them. Slavery is a high price to pay for a change in diet. If we aren't reminded to be thankful and become accustomed to God's blessings or too used to God saying yes, we may also start to complain even when His abundant grace and blessing is being poured out in our lives. Sometimes, if we get to this point, when God says yes to our requests, then even that yes is not sufficient. When we ask God for money and He grants us money, we say, oh, it's not enough. When we ask God for food and He provides the food, we say, it's not tasty enough. When we ask God for a new car or a house, we say it's not big enough. When we ask God to deal with our enemies, when God says yes and deals with them, we say, Lord, you didn't do enough. You didn't wipe them off from the face of this earth. So you see how we begin to complain even when God says yes. Imagine complaining even of God's blessings and yeses to our prayer requests. Will that ever be indicative of our lives? Sure, if we cultivate an attitude that is devoid of thanksgiving and gratitude, but instead filled with complaining. This leper's prostrate posture and his thanksgiving expressed his true gratefulness and gratitude to Jesus. It is the picture of how we should be thanking God. This leper understood the significance of what had been done for him to live in such a condition where he was ostracized by the community and separated from his family but then to now once again be able to live a normal life back in the community. We really have to wonder why the other nine lepers didn't come back and do the same to thank the Lord. When you understand what has been done for you by the Lord, do you thank God? How many of you thank God often for Jesus dying on the cross for your sins in your place? How many of you regularly remember what Jesus has given you, the free gift of salvation, eternal life, hope, joy, peace in this life? Or is salvation too commonplace for you that now you have something to complain about? We must remember to be thankful. Look with me now at Luke chapter 17, verses 17 and 18. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? The fact that the leper who returned was a Samaritan rather than a Jew is a key point in this incident. Luke makes mention of this fact because it sets the groundwork for Jesus' teaching. Jesus' question in verse 18 highlights the ingratitude of the nine other lepers who happen to be Jewish. The point was that the Jews had more knowledge about the Messiah and His coming 
than those who were non-Jews, foreigners like Samaritans. The nine, as Jews, even more than the Samaritans, should have recognized who Jesus was, the Son of God, God Himself, the Messiah, and therefore naturally expressed their gratitude to the Messiah they were looking for. Their lack of responsiveness was typical of the Jews of Jesus' day as they expected being blessed, not being like the more lowly, mixed-race Samaritans. Likewise, Christians should be more thankful than non-Christians because we placed our faith in the living God who sent His Son to save us. That means we know personally this gracious God and therefore naturally should be more thankful than those who do not know God. But sadly, many non-Christians are more thankful, more gracious, more grateful because Christians somehow feel entitled to God's blessings. They are entitled, they feel, to God's answer of yes because somehow we are His children and God will naturally say yes to us. Jesus was not implying that the other nine lepers lacked faith. They also believed Him, as verse 13 tells us. But His emphasis was that the nine perhaps felt privileged or entitled to this healing, unlike this one who came back to thank Him. You see, a heart of thanksgiving holds back and diminishes the feelings of entitlement. There's a story of a clergyman who included in his annual church report the item, nine persons lost at sea. When the congregation read the report, they expressed shock and amazement at this one line, since some of the so-called nine persons lost at sea had actually come back. And so they asked the pastor why he wrote that. The pastor said, well, 11 persons requested prayers because they were going out to sea, and only two asked me to give thanks for their safe return. So I assume that the other nine were lost at sea. Check your hearts, my friend. How many of us remember to thank God for answering our prayers? How many of you thank the Lord with the same passion and put in the same energy and length as you put in when pleading with God for what you were looking for? Listen carefully. Your enthusiasm for thanking God should correlate to the passion of your pleading for your request. Your enthusiasm of thanking God when He answers yes should correlate to the passion of your pleading with Him for the request you wanted answered. Again, I'm going to stress this. One of the main reasons we need to remember to give thanks and cultivate a heart and attitude of thanksgiving when God says yes is because it prevents entitlement from building up and it minimizes a complaining spirit because a complaining spirit will never be satisfied with anything that God does. That's why Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 says, do all things without murmuring or complaining. One of my favorite poems is by Joy Lovelett Crawford titled, The World is Mine. And it goes something like this. Today upon a bus, I saw a very beautiful woman and wish I were as beautiful. When suddenly she rose to leave, I saw her hobble down the aisle. She had one leg and used a crutch, but as she passed, she had a smile. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. I have two legs. The world is mine. 
I stopped to buy some candy. The lad who sold it had such charm. I talked with him, and he seemed so glad. If I were late, I'd do no harm. And as I left, he said to me, I thank you, you've been so kind. It's nice to talk with folks like you. You see, he said, I'm blind. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. I have two eyes, the world is mine. Later, while walking down the street, I saw a child I knew. He stood and watched the others play, but he did not know what to do. I stopped a moment, and then I said, Why don't you join them, dear? He looked ahead without a word. I forgot he couldn't hear. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. I have two ears, the world is mine. With feet to take me where I'd go, with eyes to see the sunsets glow, with ears to hear what I'd know. Oh God, forgive me when I whine. I've been blessed indeed. The world is mine. Look with me now at Luke chapter 17, verse 19. And Jesus said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. As with the other healings of Jesus, there's often a challenge to continue in the faith. It was similar here where Jesus tells the one leper who returned to glorify and thank the Lord to get up and go on with his life and in the process commending his faith in Jesus that had healed him. There is an implied challenge by the Lord to continue growing that faith since it was that faith which God mercifully responded to heal that leper. You see, when God answers yes, we should, number three, remember to walk closer to Jesus. Remember to walk closer to Jesus. Remember to walk closer to Jesus. Often the reality is that once He says yes and gives us what we want, we thank God, but there is sadly no desire to be in a closer relationship with the Lord. It is this sort of transactional type of relationship many of us have with the Lord. Lord, I ask you to do something. You did it for me. I said thanks. So, Lord, now we're even. I'll call you the next time I need you. And so when the Lord lets us pass our test, He lets us pass our board examination, we get into the college we want, we get the job we're looking for, we get that promotion and salary increase we've been praying for, we get miraculously healed, we overcome that trial, we finally find a spouse and a life partner, we've gotten what we wanted, we've said thank you, and somehow we feel we're done with God. There's unfortunately no attempt to forge a closer walk with Jesus. God's yes to our prayers should remind us of a merciful and gracious God who loves us. And a natural response of ours is to draw even closer to the one who we know loves us so much as we love Him more. In the Anglo-Saxon language, to be thankful meant to be thankful. Thankful of God's blessings and yeses should stir one to gratitude and a closer walk with Him. As we think about what God does for us, it should be very natural for us to be thankful. I was recently watching a YouTube video where someone was randomly giving out free phones, free iPhones, the newest ones, free electronic gadgets with no strings attached to people who really were in need. The overwhelming response of those people 
was first a disbelief whether this was really true or not. Can they really accept this gift? And they would ask more questions about who the giver was. Who are you? Why are you giving this to me? And the giver was simply saying, because I want to do something nice. I know you're in need. I want to give you something. And in the video, the ones who receive the gift would often ask the giver if it would be okay if they gave them a hug of appreciation because they were so overwhelmed with gladness at what was given to them. No one in the video just took the phone or the electronic gadgets, the PlayStation or Xbox being given away, and walked away with a one-second thanks. This video has tens of millions of views. It is heartwarming. It shows the natural response to someone who's been graciously given something, and that natural response is a desire to get to know the other person, the giver, to want to hug and to show appreciation, this idea of wanting to be close to the giver because of an overwhelming response of appreciation. So how is it when we receive a yes from God to our most fervent of prayer requests that we can so coldly just tell Him thanks and walk away? Instead, we should want to figuratively give God a giant hug and to draw closer to Jesus out of an immensely grateful and thankful heart. Think about all of the blessings in your life and see if during those times you are desiring to walk closer to Jesus. Do you commit to spending more time with Him? If not, then perhaps it's time to do so in response with a thankful heart. We often don't think much about what we should do when God answers our prayers in the affirmative, but we should. And when the Lord answers our prayer requests with a yes, we need to remember to glorify God. We need to remember to thank the Lord. We need to remember to walk closer to Jesus. If you need other tangible ways to glorify and thank God in addition to spending more time with Him, there's always an opportunity for you to give a thanksgiving offering to the Lord through the local church or a Christian organization. You can pay it forward to others. As the Lord tells us, we serve Him by blessing others and serving others. You can set aside time just for the worship of the Lord. And there are so many other ways to exhibit an outward expression of your thanks to God and give glory to Him. Write out verses speaking of thankfulness or things you are thankful for. Place them on your mirror or phone background or somewhere you will see them often and thank God for them. Get a notebook or journal and fill it with your prayers of praise and thanksgiving, answered prayers, scripture verses, lists of what God has done, attributes of God, song lyrics of praise, poems, quotes. I think a bullet journal would really work well for this. Try to write something every day when you're discouraged Look back at all God has done and be reminded of who He is. Now, you can do some of these suggestions or you don't have to, but the point is you are focusing your mind on the Lord and His blessings each and every day. Whatever you decide to do as a way of cultivating a thankful heart, just remember that when God answers yes, similar to the actions of this one leper who returned, give glory to God alone. Give sincere and heartful thanks from a grateful heart and draw closer to Jesus, the one who, because of His grace and mercy, blesses us and says yes to our prayer requests and to our pleas. Let's pray.
Father, thank You for Your Word, which reminds us that we are to cultivate a heart of thanksgiving. All too often, we have gotten too accustomed to Your blessings. Because of our entitled spirit, we feel that Your yeses to our prayers is something You must do, and we have forgotten that sometimes You can say no to our requests. And so may it be, as we look back at our lives, may we cultivate a heart full of gratitude so we don't allow entitlement, so we don't allow ungratefulness and a complaining spirit to permeate our hearts, that, we'll, we, that we will be like this one leper who returns and worships you and gives you all praise and glory. May that be our response to a God who gives us so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.